Good morning. As we work our way through COVID-19, it seems appropriate that in this book collective podcast, we recall another natural disaster, the flood that swept through Florence on the night of Thursday, November the 3rd, 1966. The writer was Mario Witt, who worked for Libreria Olschke and was an eyewitness to the dreadful events. It was published in the Book Collector in our issue for spring 1967, which also included some grim photographs. Those unfortunate enough to have spent a winter in Florence will have memories of a very different town from the friendly, sun-baked city familiar to the summer visitor. Brooding in a hollow at the foot of snow-capped hills, lashed by the icy Tramontana wind or soaked round the clock for days on end by unceasing rain during the months of November and December, the grim greyness of the narrow streets is unrelieved by the skeletons of trees usually present in northern cities. The Arno, no longer a trickle passable in gumboots, swells into a muddy torrent that swirls with a menacing roar beneath the arches of the six bridges uniting the two halves of the city. These things are so familiar a part of Florence in winter that there was no feeling of uneasiness on account of the rain that had been falling continuously for several days. Friday, the 4th of November, was a public holiday in remembrance of the Italian victory at Vittorio Vedito, and as people crossed the river on Thursday night, looking forward to a day of rest, they hardly gave it a glance. The authorities, as far as one knew, were occupied with nothing more than the preparations for the coming festivities. The first hesitant alarm was raised by those night watchmen who telephoned their employers, particularly those with shops on the Ponte Vecchio, to warn them that the river looked dangerous. In this way, a few managed to save some of their most precious belongings in the early hours of Friday morning, but the majority arrived too late and were prevented from entering their shops by the police who had been hurried to the scene. The vast majority of the population, however, enjoying a late lie-in, had their first inkling of the impending disaster when the water seeped under their front doors and spouted like fountains out of the sewers in the street. The handful of guardians and night watchmen locked in the various museums and libraries were therefore caught completely by surprise and had little or no time to save anything at all. In many of the lower districts, the flood developed into a torrent that raced through the streets at an estimated 40 miles an hour, reaching in some places a height of 18 feet and sweeping everything movable along with it. Bookcases were wrenched from the walls, books torn from the shelves, and furniture milled about inside bookshops and libraries hitting the fittings like projectiles. But it was not only water which the river brought with it that Friday morning. From the treeless slopes of the Apennines came half a million tons of earth. From the central heating installations of houses and flats, with their tanks full of fuel ready for the winter, were swilled countless tons of heavy oil, and the resulting mixture formed an evil-smelling, slimy ooze which permeated every nook and cranny. When the waters receded, this was left behind to hamper the work of rescue and to necessitate, in some cases, the use of gas masks. 
the failure of all electric power and most telephones prevented the immediate spreading of the news to many of the parties concerned. When the director of the Biblioteca Nazionale, for instance, appeared on the scene earlier on Friday morning, it was no longer possible for him to cross the Arno. In spite of repeated attempts, including the vain request for an amphibious vehicle, he was unable to reach his library till Saturday morning. The spectacle which presented itself to his eyes when he finally crossed the threshold was truly devastating. The basement stacks had been filled with mud and water from floor to ceiling, and the ground floor, with its catalogues, reading rooms, and all administrative departments, had been submerged for a good two-thirds of its height. The sections of the library affected by the disaster comprised the whole of the so-called Malia Becchiana collection and the larger books of the Palatina. The manuscripts, incunabula, rare books and reference works on the open shelves being kept on the upper floors were fortunately spared. Nevertheless, out of a total holding of some three million pieces, about one million, or almost a third, were underwater. It is impossible at this stage to predict which individual volumes or sets have succumbed to the disaster and which will survive. One can only talk in terms of collections, and even here the numbers are necessarily vague and differ considerably in the various official handouts. Roughly, one may say that some 30,000 titles of the newspaper collection and 20,000 titles of the periodical collection, a total of about 500,000 separate items were damaged. Many of the newspapers were the only surviving copies and were of the greatest interest for the study of the Italian Risorgimento. Some 20,000 cases of the miscellanea collection, a by no means fully explored mine for the scholar, were also situated in the basement stacks. The actual number of books affected have been estimated at 300,000. Of these, those belonging to the Malia Becchiana collection contained important scholarly texts of the 16th and 17th century, theological works, including rare German Reformation tracts, scientific works and books of travel. The damage to the Palatina collection was mercifully restricted to the larger volumes on the lower shelves, which were the illustrated books, atlases, architectural works and similar volumes. Although most of the books were bound in plain calf or vellum, with a good many in original boards, a great number of splendid bindings were unfortunately ruined, many probably beyond repair. If anything at all was saved from the wreck, and if sufficient help is forthcoming over the next few years, the loss may be limited to about 20%, this is mainly due to the boldness, energy and courage of one man, Emanuele Casamassima. Probably no library has suffered a comparable damage in modern times and normal restoration techniques could not be applied in the face of such an avalanche of material. On the other hand, something had to be done, and done quickly, in a race against the encroachment of mould and the immediate dissolution of the precious material. There being no time to ask for instructions from Rome, Casamassima took upon himself the decision of opening the doors of the Nazionale to the volunteers whom he had found on his doorstep waiting to be told what to do. This unlocking of the stacks, 
hitherto strictly reserved for the library staff, set a precedent which necessity forced other libraries and institutions to follow in their turn. With incredible speed, he arranged room into which to evacuate the sodden volumes as they were brought out, passed hand to hand along the human chain from the mud-filled stacks to the waiting trucks. Over 400 truckloads, almost 3,000 tons of material, were shifted by as many as 1,500 volunteers, mainly students, in less than a month, and the first stage of salvage was thus completed. About 20,000 folios of the Palatina had been sent for drying to the brick ovens in Borgo San Lorenzo, 800 to the tobacco works in Bologna. The larger part of the journals went to the tobacco factories of Città di Castello and San Giustino Umbro. Other volumes were sent up and down the peninsula wherever space could be found in universities and convents from Pavia to Bari and a few of the more important volumes were sent directly to binders and restoration specialists for immediate treatment. About 200,000 volumes were housed in the Fortezza di Belvedere on the outskirts of Florence itself, where they were placed in hastily erected steel shelving and dried with the help of electrical machinery specially acquired for the purpose. The Fortezza di Belvedere has been turned into a central clearinghouse from which the volumes are sent to the electricity works of Florence Railway Station, where a washing and disinfection plant has been set up. From here, they will return gradually to the Nazionale itself as soon as this has been cleaned and disinfected. In the meanwhile, a team of eight British restorers, all volunteers, was recruited through the British Museum, and these have taken over the direction and coordination of this first aid work. With no previous experience to fall back on for dealing with such masses of material, improvements had to be devised as the work proceeded. Attempts at immediate washing were given up as too slow. Interleaving with blotting paper was abandoned as too dangerous when performed by unskilled hands on soaked volumes. In the end, the books were washed of their surface mud and brought shut to the dryers. As they dry, the books are being brought back from all over Italy and passed through the clearing house in the Belvedere on their way to the power station. This second phase of salvage, carried on under the expert direction of the British team, is still in full swing. The dried books are taken apart, washed in suitable disinfectants, re-dried, collated and bound in paper wrappers carrying their shelf marks, where still available and the indication of missing leaves, if any. Dried, ironed and disinfected, the volumes can now await the third and final stage of rebinding without fear of further damage. It is estimated that the second stage should be completed by spring or early summer. The third stage may take the best part of a generation. If I have described the restoration procedure adopted for the Nazionale at some length, it is because it has set the pattern for the other damaged libraries of Florence and the surroundings, which unfortunately are a considerable number. The most important and best known of these is the Archivio di Stato. Here, 40 rooms containing some 6 kilometers of shelving, out of a total of 60 kilometers, were flooded to a depth of about 2 meters. Some 40 to 50,000 volumes containing some tens of millions of documents were affected. 
amongst the most important archives damaged were those of the Camera Fiscale, Capitano del Bigalo, Capitano del Popolo, Capitano del Orsan Michele, Capitani di Parte, Congrazione di San Giovanni Battista, Cooperazione Religioso Sopresse, Escatuto della Ordinamenti di Giustizia, and so on, and many groups of more modern documents. An exact inventory is in process of being drawn up. Unfortunately, vellum suffers in some ways more than paper from immersion, and it depends which shelves the volumes were on at the time, whether they were completely soaked or only affected by damp, so that it cannot be estimated at this moment how much will be irretrievably lost. But the director, Dottore Camerani, does not exclude the hope that as much as 80% of the material under his care can be saved. Other public archives which suffered damage were the following. Archivo Storico del Comune di Firenze, about a thousand items dating from about 1782, damaged and evacuated. Archivio della Società dei Pittori e della Belle Arti, about 100 items containing folders concerning Italian and foreign artists after 1859 were seriously damaged. Archivio del Conservatorio di Santa Maria degli Angeli, about 500 items of art historical interest, not too badly damaged. Archivio della Società di San Giovanni Battista, some 150 items dating from the 18th century, badly damaged. Archivio dell'Ospedale dei Santi Innocenti, together with the archives of suppressed monasteries, over a thousand items dating from the 15th century onwards. About half was saved, the remainder are being salvaged and restored. Archivio dell'Accademia delle Arti e del Disegno, badly damaged and about to be evacuated. A number of archives of the neighbouring communes also suffered damage to varying degrees and have been evacuated. These include Archivio di Pontedera, Ospedali Lotti di Pontedera, Comunali di Santa Fiore, etc., down to Vicchio di Mugello and Empoli. Ecclesiastical archives badly damaged in the environs of Florence were those of Santa Donino, Santa Andrea and Santa Martino in Brozzi, Santa Pietro a Quaracci, Santa Lucia alla Sala, Santa Colombano a Settimo, Santa Giuliana a Settimo, Santa Piero a Ponti, Santa Cristina a Pagnana, Santa Giacobo a Vani and Santa Pietro a Lecore. Archives of 18 other churches were affected to a lesser extent. Of the private archives known to scholars, a distressing number were flooded. In some cases, the owners have received official assistance, but the majority have been left to cope themselves as best they could. These included Archivio dei Marchesi Nicolini Alemani, together with those of the Nardi, Marzi Medici, Naldini and Del Riccio, a total of some 1,000 items dating from the 14th century onwards. Archivio Bombici Pontelli e Mozzi, in a disastrous condition on account of the oil and mud, about 250 items have been evacuated. Archivio Vivarelli Colonna, together with the Archivi Bicchi, Petrucci and Marsili Libelli, 
containing a total of about 1,400 items dating from the 14th century onwards, suffered badly from the collapse of the shelves and the violence of the current which passed through them. Archivio Caponi, those parts relating to their agricultural administration going back to the 16th century, received heavy damage and have been evacuated. Archivio Giucadini Bardi di Vernio suffered from a metre and a half of water that affected the lower shelves. The Archivi Ginori Lischi and the Ricasoli Feridolfi merely suffered from damp and are in the process of drying. The experience of the German Institute, Kunstorisches Institute in Florence, typified that of many of the libraries of Florence. Although apparently situated a long way from the river, the water reached a height of almost two metres in the ground floor of the institute. The director, Dr. von Erfer, was returning from a car trip out of town and entered one end of Via Giusti, where the institute is situated, as the water flowed in at the other. Rushing at once into his institute, he marshaled the meagre help available and began feverishly to move the folio volumes out of the lower shelves and place them in some empty upper shelves of the cases. No one expected the water to rise above the folio shelves and it was with consternation that they noticed the oily flood rising ever higher. A rubber dinghy, which happened to be in the building, was pressed into service and the director and four helpers by now almost up to the waist in icy water, began to load the dinghy with books and pull it between the shelves to the staircase where the books could be brought up to the higher floors. In the gathering darkness, a sharp projection unfortunately passed unnoticed and the dinghy was holed. After almost seven hours of unbroken struggle, Dr. von Erfa had to call a halt when exhaustion, darkness and the rising water which covered such obstacles as footstools and library steps, made further attempts at salvage dangerous. Their efforts were not without reward, however, and although a number of volumes were damaged, only some 100 volumes have been totally lost. The Gabinetto Vieux, founded in 1819, it was the library which perhaps most closely resembled the Anglo-American type of lending library, free for the use of scholars, the general public could use its reading rooms and borrow volumes for home reading for a nominal fee. Amongst its 250,000 volumes was the most important collection of English texts in the country, some 60,000 volumes, which included many 19th century first editions. Henry James, who often read there during his Florentine stay, had presented many of his works to the Vieuxieux. Other subjects held there included French literature, science, history, and an important holding of newspapers and journals. Unfortunately, the stacks were in the basement, which was filled from floor to ceiling. The close spacing of the shelving made work of extraction extremely difficult and somewhat dangerous. And, as only a limited number of people could work there at a time, it took several days to open a passage through the books and mud for pumps to be able to work. As a result, the material remained soaked for a long time, and although it has now been removed for drying to the upper floors of the Palazzo Strozzi, on whose ground floor the Vicieux is located, as well as to the Certosa di Galuzzo, much of the material will inevitably have been lost.
the marks of the books which were pressed against the oil-blackened ceiling as the paper swelled, could still be seen like negatives when I visited the stacks. Biblioteca della Accademia di Belle Arte di Firenze. The water invaded the large hall of the library. The manuscripts were extracted from the mud and sent for restoration to Modena. 200 volumes, including six incunabula, Piranesi prints, and other print collections, among them works by Rubens and Della Bella, are also being restored. Biblioteca dell'Accademia Musicale Cherubini. All the rooms of this library were flooded by oil and water up to a height of about half a meter. Some 9,000 volumes were affected, mainly consisting of important manuscript material. The two collections which were most damaged were the Fondo Pitti and the Fondo Basevi. The first held scores and manuscripts of the 18th century, including such unique items as the Exaude Domine of Mozart, autographs of Haydn, Verdi, Donizetti, Rossini, etc. The second contained numerous works of extreme rarity, particularly of the 15th and 16th centuries and prints from the beginning of the 17th. Biblioteca dell'Accademia della Colombaria Already hit during the last war, about 5,000 volumes were flooded on this occasion. Academia Economico Agraria dei Giorgio Fili was the oldest academy of its kind in Europe. The cellars and ground floor were flooded and about 35,000 volumes were covered by water and mud. Of these, some 10,000 were of considerable scientific and historical importance including, as they did, rare volumes of the 15th and 16th centuries. The archives of the Academy, which was founded in 1753, and also the catalogues were seriously damaged. Biblioteca della Comunità Israelitica di Firenze. The whole of the library was submerged by oil and mud carried in with the flood waters. 15,000 books, 200 manuscripts, and 92 sacred rolls were seriously damaged. Academia della Crusca. About 3,000 volumes stored in the cellars of the Academia have been covered with water. Centro didattico di studi e documentazione. The water reached a height of 5 meters on these premises, ruining some 5,000 volumes from the 15th to the 19th century, as well as autographed and letter collections. Other libraries damaged to a greater or lesser extent were those of the various university faculties, including the departments of letters, jurisprudence, science and mathematics, pharmacy, architecture, economics, part of the medical faculty and agrarian science. A detailed list of the losses sustained would be of limited interest to the general reader, and the majority of works held by these institutions were modern books or learned journals. The damage suffered by the university in this respect is, however, immense, and the work of students and faculty members has been seriously hampered. Amongst the estimated 6,000 shops and businesses damaged by the flood, a heavy toll was unfortunately exacted from antiquarian booksellers. The nature of the material favours ground floor locations, and even where the main premises are situated above street level, most booksellers have basement storerooms which have, in the circumstances, inevitably suffered. 
Five antiquarian booksellers lost all their stock and fittings in this disaster. Three others had their cellars flooded and some water in their shops. Two lost books in storerooms or with binders whose workshops were flooded. Again, as with libraries, it is difficult to pick out individual works from the general disaster. The wiping out of five antiquarian booksellers' stocks is undoubtedly a considerable bibliographic loss for Florence and for Italy as a whole. The more so as these booksellers, lacking the resources available to public institutions, have been able to save little, if anything, so that their holdings must be considered as almost entirely lost. The brothers Salimbeni had their stock of some 250,000 volumes, distributed in six storerooms, turned into heaps of evil-smelling mud. They had made some attempt at pulling a few volumes out in the early hours of Friday, but the quickly rising water rendered such efforts dangerous. It was with difficulty that they opened the door of their shop against the weight of the water, and one of the brothers, with his foot in plaster from a recent accident, was almost swept away by the current racing down the street outside. Shortly after their escape, the water filled their shop and warehouses up to the ceiling. The greater part of their business consisted in art books, scholarly works and titles concerning the history of Florence and Tuscany. Less in volume, but nevertheless considerable, were the stocks of the booksellers Valere and Vittorio. Containing for the most part books of local appeal, they occasionally offered incunabula and items of interest in various fields, I noted a mud-caked copy of the De Re Metallica in the first edition lying on the floor, ruined beyond hope of repair. Leonardo, La Picciarella, though by now mainly interested in pictures and furniture, still had a fine collection of books on his shelves, many in precious bindings. Albizzo degli Albizzi, the only specialised print dealer in Florence, also had the water almost reach his ceiling. Though a considerable part of his stock consisted of reproductions, he nevertheless had a large holding of English colour plates, old maps, and a collection of atlases and folio volumes of which I doubt that anything can be saved. Of the businesses which were hit to a lesser degree, Gonelli and Gozzini had their basements flooded and some centimetres of water in the shops above ruining the volumes on the lower shelves. Olschke lost some 30 books, which were with the binder being furbished. These included a splendid copy of Huel Sicily, a collection of Zocchi's views of Florence, and a fine, coloured copy of the Ortelius Atlas, as well as a number of incunabula. Amongst Gozzini's losses, which total some seven and a half tons, fit only for pulping, were a number of sets of Italian law books, patiently collected over the years. For the bookseller, the loss of his stock is of course not only a bibliographical one, but also financial, and some families had their only means of sustenance destroyed. The president of the Italian Antiquarian Booksellers Association immediately started a relief fund amongst Italian colleagues, which met a prompt and generous response, not only in Italy, but also abroad. English, American and French colleagues both privately and through their national associations, sent considerable sums which have been distributed to meet the most pressing necessities. It is to be hoped that the government will not delay the assistance promised for private businesses 
in the form of compensation and low-interest loans. In the case of public institutions, the damage, translated into figures, is of course astronomical. The only library so far, which has already been appropriated sufficient funds for its needs, is the German Institute. The others look to the government, UNESCO, and the International Committee for the Assistance of Museums, Works of Art, Libraries and Archives, which already has a staff working from an office in the Palazzo Vecchio. The immediate needs of these institutions, which cover such a variety of matters as new shelving, blotting paper for drying, heaters, drying machinery, fuel, the feeding of the thousands of volunteer workers and so on, are being met from these various sources. A number of private firms and bodies have also contributed directly both in cash and kind. Drying paper was sent by air from Edinburgh as well as from firms in Milan and Germany. Two million lira have been presented to the Biblioteca Nazionale and the Archivio di Stato from the German government through the Florentine Institute and other help is still coming in. The grave problem, however, is not the immediate one but the near and distant future. After the first shock has passed and the news value has grown stale, the patient work of restoring, rebinding, collating and cataloguing will have to be continued for years, probably decades. The problem will be to find the funds for continuing this work in five, ten and more years' time. The suggestion has therefore been put forward that an institute should be founded in this city with foreign funds from which scholarships or grants could be given to both binders and librarians who would be willing to work here for a considerable time. The library staffs, already a bare minimum in most cases, are everywhere pitifully small to cope with the mass of new work the disaster has heaped upon them. Though some good work has undoubtedly been done in the country in the field of book restoration, it is generally agreed among experts that the centre of gravity, as regards the binding of valuable volumes, lies outside Italy. Such an institute might be the means not only of supplying the necessary labour, but also of setting a standard and coordinating efforts which would otherwise be weakened through dispersion. Moreover, it would not only be a means of assuring real aid to the libraries and archives hit by the disaster for a long time to come, but would also certainly prove of service to the individual sent here under its auspices both as a means of acquiring new experience as well as a recommendation for their future careers. If a young librarian were able to say that he had worked for a year or two with the Bibliotheca Nazionale in Florence, this would surely be a feather in his cap when he returned home. The donors to such an institute could see their funds being actively applied and the librarians or restorers who received its grants would undoubtedly consider it a mark of distinction to have been given such a scholarship. In the meanwhile, the staffs here are working with a fantastic will and energy to reopen their libraries, at least partially, within the shortest possible time. The Archivio di Stato has not only suffered in its books, but also in its structure. One vault has collapsed and others are in danger. As soon as the building has dried, the work of repair will start. Before the damaged portion can become available once more, a considerable period will necessarily pass, but as the catalogue, which was on the first floor, was saved, 90% of the archives not affected by the flood will soon be open again to the public. 
The Biblioteca Nazionale is being cleaned of its residue of mud and the rooms are being disaffected against mould. New shelving has already been put up and more is coming. One of the great problems is going to be space, as the director had decided not to use the basement stacks again. A very long time will pass before the damaged portion will once more become available for use, but here too it is hoped that the undamaged upper floors can be open to readers in the not too distant future. Spring 1967 may not be too optimistic an estimate. The director of the Gabinetto Vicieux has also decided against putting the books back into the cellars of the Palazzo Strozzi where they had been housed. Possibly new space will be found in the Certoso di Galuzzi and books ordered through the catalogue, which was fortunately saved, will in future be brought down for use next day by a special minibus service. It is to be hoped that publishers will be able to cooperate generously in rebuilding the holdings of modern books so that this useful library will become available again before too long. The will to rebuild quickly and well is strong, and no one is sparing in energy or effort. For the moment, the work of first aid has by force of circumstances been largely done with the help of volunteers, mainly students. But the work must continue after the volunteers have gone home and the professionals take over once more. It must go on, when the emergency funds have been exhausted and long-term budgets remain the sole resource. Two things can be done to provide practical help from abroad. To increase the funds available by means valid for the future and not to let the immense goodwill and enthusiasm presently demonstrated by the Florentines remain unrewarded. Barely a month after the disaster, Florence is not a dead city. Let us hope that her perennial visitors, students, scholars and tourists will not turn away from her, but will return with the spring to bring with them their message of reborn life and hope. Florence, December 1966 Did you enjoy that podcast? If so, you simply must subscribe to The Book Collector at www.thebookcollector.co.uk only £70 for a whole year, that's cheaper than Netflix. For that, you'll receive our splendid quarterly issues filled with erudite articles, reviews, book news, auction results and more. At the same time, you'll be able to browse our vast digital archive at your leisure. That's nearly 70 years of bibliophilic treasure. www.thebookcollector.co.uk is the place to find us. Don't delay, subscribe today.